we would leave the house to fight. And so we just get out of the house so we can yell and swear or whatever we needed to do without the kids having to hear it and just walk. I guess none of the neighbors heard us arguing, right? Because they would say to us, oh, you guys are so cute. Little do they know, right? That we are discussing whether or not we're going to stay together. Take a girl and a guy and they fall madly in love and form a family. Sprinkle in some counseling degrees and a doctorate. A dream of transforming relationships as we know it. And 20 years later, we give you power couple Dr. Ray and Jean Ketkodian. And this is Couples Synergy. Welcome back to another episode of Couples Synergy with Dr. Ray and Jean. Hi, I'm Dr. Ray. And I'm Jean. And this is our podcast about love, marriage, and relationships. Please check us out online on our Facebook page and Instagram at Couples Synergy or our website, couplesynergy.com. And be sure to subscribe to our podcast or send us any suggestions on topics you'd like to hear more about. And now on to Couples Synergy, an in-depth look at love, marriage, and relationships, where we bring you our experience helping thousands of couples transform the relationships for over 20 years. Every day we get to hear intimate details about a couple's celebrations, disappointments, and everyday challenges. We've often wished these stories were shared because we know we are more similar than different. So we've created not only an avenue we can hear about people's intimate lives, but an atmosphere where people come over to our home pub, pour a drink, and share their stories. People like today's guests, Heidi and Chris, thank you so much for being on our podcast today, guys. Thank you. Yeah, awesome. Thanks for having us. Yeah. And you guys are coming to us from Utah. Yep. Is that correct? Yep, that's correct. Nice. That's awesome. Yeah. I, we were talking with Heidi uh, offline, the fact that we have a place in Colorado, which is pretty close to the Utah border. Right. Yeah. Yeah. So before we get into your story, why don't you guys tell us a little bit about yourselves? How old are you? What do you do for a living? And how long have you been together? Sure. Do you want me to go first? All right. Uh, so I'm, I'm Chris. Um, I'm 51 years old. And Heidi and I have been married for almost 30 years. Um, professionally, I'm what's called an instructional designer, um, which basically means that I, I create training materials. And my specialty happens to be using art to explain difficult concepts. That's what I do. Cool. That's very interesting. (laughs) He's awesome. He's very talented. And I am Heidi. I am 48. And uh, yeah, we are actually our engagement anniversary is November 7th. So we're coming up on celebrating 30 years from our engagement. And then our wedding anniversary is March 20th. So that will be our 30 year. And right now I am a podcaster and I also make hot chocolate bombs. That keeps me busy. <laughs> Sounds decadent. Yeah, really good. Big plans uh, for the anniversary. So I don't, I don't know if we're gonna be able to pull it off, but um, we're we're trying to book a cruise. Um, that we're, we we want to do a riverboat cruise, oh. and the one we've picked out starts in Amsterdam and ends in Budapest. So it goes oh, through the Rhine okay. River and onto the Danube River and. So I don't, I don't know if we're going to pull that off next year, but we're going to try. That sounds fabulous. Those are like Viking cruises or something. Yeah. Yeah. That's, that's one of the companies that does it. Yeah. Awesome. Awesome. Can you guys tell us the story of how you met? Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. That'd be awesome. I had just graduated high school and was 
heading to Southern Utah, about three hours away to go to college. And I had been working at Wendy's fast food restaurant since I was 16. And so it was natural when I moved to another city to find the closest Wendy's and start working there. So I started working at Wendy's. Yep. And um, I was in my junior year of college, no, my sophomore year of college, my second year of college. And my roommate was like a night manager at this Wendy's that we're talking about. And so I got a job working there as well, um, the very same time that Heidi did. And so I met Heidi her second day there. Yeah. My first day at Wendy's, I actually worked with his roommate, the manager, and he was awesome and fun guy. And who's several years older than me, but I just really enjoyed like being in the kind of more that college life and being with older people and not that high school little kid scene anymore. And so, uh, and even his roommate, the manager gave me a ride home on my first day of work because I brought a bicycle to ride and it started pouring rain. So he gave me a ride home. Right. And for some reason, you know, we need the record to show that he did not tell me he had given anybody a ride home when he got home. So the next day uh, was Heidi's second day and we just happened to work together. And she was telling me, you know, that she worked the day before and that this guy had given her a ride home, you know, and I said, oh, I used this total line on her. I said, oh, uh, that's my roommate. And, you know, and he didn't tell me that he took a beautiful girl home last night. You know, that'd have been nice to know. And uh-huh. he got me. Yeah. He got me Ooh. right there. So the <laughs> line, so the sweet. line worked. None of them have worked since, but that one, <laughs> it did the trick. One, one and done. Yeah, it did. So, <laughs> done. Yeah. so we started Sorry. dating. Kind of. Um, we really well, just okay. Worked that's together. true. We hung out. <laughs> Right. What kids today normally do. That's what we did. We did go on a few dates, but not very many. Our first date was like a Halloween dance. And we met in September, the end of September. And then a month later, we hung out together yeah. Yeah, and hung out several, several every day, almost for that month, went on a Halloween dance. And a week later, November 7th, he proposed to me. Yeah. Then we got engaged and we got married in March. So just a few wow. months after that. Yeah. yeah so met, quick. engaged and married all within about five, six months. And, and your ages at the time again, were what? Yeah, I was 18. I was 21. 21. Wow. What was your first impression of each other? Uh, well, it was like I said, I thought she was beautiful. She's beautiful. <laughs> That's sweet. Um, it's funny because we joke about that now because we didn't have that whole anxiety and first impression and put on the hair makeup and and nice clothes we were at fast food wearing a uniform with a visor you know so my 80s hairstyle was really smashed down flat <laughs> underneath this visor and my awesome blue eyeshadow was probably streaked from you know sweating and working and then I was wearing that great polyester green and blue uniform so right. you know it was awesome. <laughs> so he just had my pretty much my smile to go off of, I guess. But no, so it was awesome. Our first impression really wasn't about looks at all. It was about comfort. And that was something that always stayed with us. We would always say, I just feel so comfortable around you. I feel like I could tell you anything. I feel like I've known you forever. And we didn't have any of that awkward first time meeting right. anything. It was really right. We really didn't. And how did you know this was your person and how long did that take? Um, so it didn't, obviously, we just told you it didn't take very long. Um, uh, we're both religious. 
And so um, there was a lot of prayer involved um, for both of us personally and kind of receiving a confirmation, right, from, from what we believe is the Holy Spirit that uh, this would be this would be the right person to marry for both of us. Because the funny thing was at the time when we met, another reason why it was so comfortable is we were both dating other people as well. I had like had, seriously, yeah, like I had had people. a high school sweetheart that I was pretty much engaged to when I left to college with plans that when I came back for Christmas break, we'd make it official with the ring and the date and all that. But I was just going to go to college for the first semester, be away from him for a little while. And then we, you know, kind of get back together at Christmas. And so I had that plan going into it. And then he also had a girlfriend that lived three hours away as well, that he was doing a long distance relationship with as well. So we were not planning or looking for anyone, which another reason why I think it all came so easily is because we could just be best friends with each other and talk and hang out. And it was just really comfortable and really fun and not that pressure of like, any long-term thing we got to right. just So would you say it's, it's fair to say like no expectations? Yeah, there yeah. Was no expectations. And then after about two weeks of hanging out all the time, I remember writing my boyfriend about him like, oh, there's this really great guy from work that I just love hanging out with. He's so cool. He's so fun. I have such a good time with them. <laughs> so then a couple weeks later, when I called my boyfriend and told him I was engaged to this really great guy from work. <laughs> he wasn't super surprised because I guess I'd written about him a lot <laughs> in letters leading up to that day. So he's like, wait, it's that guy from work, isn't it? I just know it. You've been writing about him a lot in your letters. So yeah, I guess I was smitten right from the start. Did yeah, me too. Both have the, the same religious background? Or an yes. Yes. Okay. Okay. Yeah. Yes, we did. So that helped a lot too. Yeah. To we had that, that, that in common. common. Yes. We had that in common and we we're both very strong in our religion. And so that helped a lot to have kind of goals of what we wanted to accomplish that way as well. Okay. And yeah. how do you, why did you want to go away for, for a year? You know, you said you wanted to go away from him, from your, from your ex-boyfriend. Oh yeah. From my boyfriend. I just wanted to, well, my dad had died when I was 16 and I moved out soon after that. So I'd already lived on my own my senior year in high school. And then I got accepted to college three hours away. And my boyfriend was trying to make some big decisions in his life. Like, again, are we going to get married? Is he going to go serve a mission for our church? Is he going to go to college? What is he going to do? And so I said, you know what, I'm going to go to college. I'm accepted there. You figure out your path and what you want to do we'll talk again in three months at Christmas, you know, kind of a thing and gave him just that space to figure out what he wanted. I didn't realize it was the space that I needed as well to know that that probably wasn't the best path for me. Great guy. I was with him for five years. I'd known him since I was 13 until I was 18. So he was, he was wonderful and supportive and a great person, but he just wasn't really my person anymore. I was kind of in a different stage of life at that point. He was still kind of not sure what he was going to do. And when I met Chris and his goals and his values and the things he had done in his life and what he'd accomplished already, I just felt like this was where I was supposed to go now. What was the feedback from both your families about getting engaged so quickly, I guess? Yeah, so... Um... 
you know, this is 30 years ago. So culturally, I think things were a little different then. Um, for the most part, people did wait a little bit longer than we did to get married even 30 years ago. But uh, in the culture of the religion that we belong to, that's not a huge surprise. So Heidi's mom was elated. Um, What's she was, funny is she they happy. hadn't met yet, yeah, obviously. Yeah, yeah. So that, we live three hours away. Yeah, so. And so she, as soon as I called her, I'm like, you know that guy, Chris, I've been writing you about? Well, he just proposed to me. And she's like, I'll be there tomorrow. And she drove, she drove down and met him and stayed the weekend and just fell in love with him too. In fact, she even said that. She's like, I can see exactly why you fell in love with him. She's like, I'm in love with him too. I'm so glad he's going to be part of our family. And so she was super supportive and excited to embrace him his mom as well he had to call yeah. her and tell her and I didn't get to meet them until Thanksgiving a couple of weeks after we were engaged I got to go we got to go home right and meet all of our families and siblings who were all excited and supportive and we were the first wedding in both of our families we're both the oldest and okay. so I had younger siblings he had younger siblings and they were all just super excited to invite a new family member in and, and celebrate with us. So it was very positive. Everybody was really happy. We just did a podcast on the importance of community within a marriage. And, uh, you know, when we do some research, uh, arranged marriages tend to last a lot longer than love marriages. And it is because the community and the expectations there, the, the moral structure, like this is how you behave within a relationship and within our, our family and within our culture and spirituality is a really big piece of that. So having those two things in place, that, that is a really big deal that a lot of people that don't have that when things get tough, they do start to unravel. So that makes a lot of sense that even though the timing seems like kind of quick, you guys are on the same page, your families are on the same page. You're, you're kind of wrapped around, you know, in this journey and, and have the similar expectations. Yeah, that's true. Yes. Yeah, that's I true. I totally agree with that. So I spent a couple of, of years in the Netherlands and um, th there's a saying in the Dutch language that goes like this. It's that they say, which translated says, when two religions share the same pillow, the devil sleeps in between. Ooh. Oh, that's pretty powerful. Pretty interesting, right? Yeah. yeah. And and it is one of the number one reasons couples that are in long-term relationships break up. Mm -hmm. Sure. Because they don't have a common spiritual connection. life connection, vision. Mm -hmm. Right. Yeah. I can see that. I definitely think I would definitely give a lot of credit to our religion of why we've been able to sustain 30 years of marriage. I think a lot of it, those values and those things we learn in that community we're in of like-minded people that support us and uh, encourage us along the way it has really, it really does save your marriage. It's really a good thing. So Chris, how did you ask her to marry you? Yeah. What was the engagement story? <laughs> it's so, it's so, so boring. Yeah. It's kind of boring actually. Um, we, we, we went to, um, we went to a place that's kind of significant, uh, in our religion. It's about, we drove an hour away to this, to this place. Um, it's called a, a temple and we went there. Um, and, 
it's kind of a place to reflect and pray and stuff like that. And so that's what I did. Um, Heidi was with me. We weren't, we weren't together the whole time. Like we had time that we could kind of go off and, and pray and meditate and stuff like that. Um, our, ourselves. And so when we got back together, um, met up a little bit later at the same outside, the same place. Um, then I just proposed to her. (laughs) I know. <laughs> Super excited. Did you have a ring? Did you get down on a knee? So I didn't, I didn't, I didn't have a ring. I don't remember getting down yeah, on you knee. Did. did I? Okay. Um did. <laughs> of course you did. You got to do that. I part. figured I figured I did, but I wasn't sure. It's been yeah. a while. But um yeah. I didn't have a ring. We picked those out later. At um, Thanksgiving when we went yeah, home. That's we right. Went to the mall and picked those out. That was like the first thing I ever bought in credit in my whole life. And <laughs> um your Wendy salary didn't. Yes. No, yeah, that we didn't really, really, really save a whole lot at, at Wendy's. No, there wasn't um, a lot of savings. So we actually bought our rings on credit. Yeah, so we bought our rings on credit. Not a good idea. Paid, but... paid them off pretty quickly. Yeah. Though, but um, so we bought those later. But yeah, I did get down on one knee and asked her to to marry me. She said yes. And that's, uh, I think the next day or that evening is when we had to make phone calls home of <laughs> Tell to my parents and to her parents. And, <laughs> our boyfriend, your girlfriend. Right. <laughs> yeah that's yeah. right yeah yeah so is march 20th is that like spring break is that yep yeah it was spring <laughs> break exactly it. it happens to be the first day of spring which first is kind of cool spring. but yeah. it was mm-hmm. during spring break and funny story the uh my roommate the manager uh that we were talking about before um shortly after this actually got engaged as well and they got married the day before we did so we were in their wedding party on the 19th and they were in our wedding party on the 20th and we've been friends um this whole time we've had a couple day honeymoon and back to work and back to work in school (laughs) it was really boring too (laughs) did you guys get a two for one at the reception hall right right? we should have have. no we didn't (laughs) i would have been smart so heidi were you surprised him uh, engage you know proposing to you not at all. I knew um, going there, you know, um, doing that that drive um, to our temple and uh, being praying and meditating about it. I just, I just knew. I'm like, this is, this is the best thing for my life. And if he doesn't propose to me, I'm going to propose to him because I want this guy in my life. So, no, I was not surprised. I mean, I guess at that very moment, you know, it was like, wait, this is how you're doing it, right? <laughs> but. Did you, did you each have a clear vision of what you were looking for in a partner? Yeah, I think so. Yeah. I I really, I really thought I'd found it already. And so when I did meet him, it was crazy. This whole, like, wow, I could, I could have this, like, I don't know. There was this part of me that's like, not that I was settling by any means before. I think it was just the maturity and the drive and the goals and just his faith and just where he was at in life was just so good. It was all just like all wrapped up in this really great package that I was like, this is, wow, I could have this, like, he'd be interested in me. Like, this is great. I'm lucky. So that's kind of more what it did to me. It was more like, wow, I could have somebody like this. Right. So it was cool. Right. Yeah. So you go back to school together. (laughs) Yep. Oh, actually, we should tell you right after um, Thanksgiving, we went back and finished that semester of school, went home for Christmas break. 
and went back, you know, in January to do another semester before spring break when we'd get married. And my mom said, I can either help pay for school or pay for a wedding. Can't do both. And so I had to drop out of school that um, winter semester in January and move back home three hours away from him to plan the wedding and work back at Wendy's back at home and use all the money I could make to pay for our wedding. And back so we were actually longer, separated. Yeah. Back to a long distance relationship. Yep. Again, right? Back to a long was, distance relationship. It again. was, and this was 30 years ago. So no, internet, no internet, no cell phones, no cell phones. Yeah. Long distance was very expensive. And so we wrote call. letters for that time every day. That we still have. We wrote a letter every day because it got there the next day. So it was really cool. If I had a question or anything, he's like, well, he'll answer it the next day, you know? So we wrote letters every single day for those three months until we got married. We saw each other, I think twice. Yeah. A few times in those three months. I think you drove down to see me and I drove up to see you. Yeah. Cause we neither one had cars either. (laughs) So that made it tricky to drive three hours to visit each other on a weekend or something. Plus no place to stay at that point you know, we didn't live together. Our religion, you know, doesn't do that. And so we were separated and it was fine. So in what way did that enhance your relationship and how is that difficult for your relationship? So it was really hard, I think, to not be around her and stuff like that. At the same time, um, You know, you have to think, I think, harder when you're writing and deeper and stuff when you're trying to express something. So those letters are are little treasures, right? That that we have um, from the what we're feeling, what we're experiencing. And and if we were together, none of that would have been recorded. You know, some someday some archaeologist is gonna find that box. And, you know, it'll, it'll have a lot more meaning than if, and if we were together, it also allowed us, I think, to, to focus on what we needed to focus on. You know, I was in school and Heidi was at home working and and I was working too, but I didn't have to work as much. Um, So, you know, it helped us get through that. Yeah. I really, it's funny because I would almost recommend it sometimes. I think people should have some time apart when they're engaged so they can dig a little deeper and talk a little deeper. And our letters, like you said, they were, they were really special letters um, expressing our feelings and thoughts about each other and about the situations we were in and our day-to-day things we were dealing with. I was dealing with planning a wedding and he's at work and, and trying to go to school. And so he's worried about homework and providing and getting us an apartment and, you know, just different things. And so it was, it was actually kind of, kind of cool that we were apart, like, I don't know. I, I think I'd recommend for us. It. I think it worked out. It well. was great. It worked out for us. I don't know if everybody could do that, but yeah. it was, it, it was a good way to strengthen our relationship. Actually. It's very interesting because I, I think three episodes ago, we did one about love letters and the importance of writing love letters in a relationship. And we shared some of our love letters in the beginning <laughs> of our relationship. And we weren't separated by three hours or anything like that, but we still wrote letters to each other and how it's very important to be able to read those and kind of see how far you've come and to kind of reminisce about those, those feelings again and reconnect in that way. So that's really great. You guys have that experience. Yeah. Yeah. We speak from a different part of us when we write. And so it's sort of like, you know, where you were on September 11th, 2001, 
right it's in your brain in a different way and you know when you're sitting there you you feel so much more emotion because you're you know our, our our physical body our emotional body is the same place right and right. if you'd have that same conversation on the telephone you wouldn't remember most of it and no. it wouldn't be at that depth so i agree that you know it's really special to write letters and you know our world is so busy we don't have enough time for self-reflection right I think I would add to that, um, mm -hmm. that physically writing the letters, right? Like if you send somebody a text or an email, yeah. that's still not the same thing. Right. Right. There, there's yeah, something yeah, we about, did, we mentioned that too. You know, if you type out, type out a letter, because I had a letter that was typed and then I had a letter that was written and you could see the energy, you know, the, like the motion that I had at the time when I wrote it versus the type one where you don't right. really, you can't really sense that. So you're, you're yeah, absolutely right. right. We agree. Yeah. And I feel, feel for these, this uh, newer generation where they just send like Snapchats to each other. And yeah. They're not even talking about the not phone. The same thing. They don't even, <laughs> right? they don't even talk on the phone. Exactly. Yeah. They don't have well, mixtapes either. That's right. <laughs> mixtapes too. That was the best. Well, and even with with talking on the phone, when we would be able to talk on the phone, you're paying by the minute, you know, which is half of our, our pay that we'd make in an hour. It was just right, like, yeah, oh, oh, oh. And so it was really quick. It was like really quick. Gotta tell you this and hurry and hang up the phone. So you wouldn't just sit there gushing it out and going on and on and expressing your feelings in a phone call back then. We just did not, no. <laughs> just could not afford. Yeah, we, did, we did not go through the stage of no, you hang up. No, you hang up. It's like, because okay, we're like, no, up. we got to get on the phone. Up. This is costing us too much money. <laughs> yeah, that's right. It, it seems so much more intentional. And, um, you know, like, like today, things sort of are taken for granted because they're so immediate, but you have to delay that gratification and you have to uh, tolerate uncertainty and tolerate, you know, self-soothing and things like that because you you have to, you know, go through those things that are more difficult. And I do think it, it makes a resilience and a bond that's much stronger than I can just walk away. Yeah. I can feel that we had a good foundation in doing mm -hmm. that. And it's really carried us for the past 30 years. It really has. Yeah, it has. And Heidi's wonderful. Um, I'm so grateful that, that, that we married, that I found her. Right. Um, but as life does, you know, it, life comes at you. And I think without that foundation, um, things would have been a little different over yeah. the last 30 years. Wouldn't so we're, we're very to, grateful for that. Easy to quit. huh? Yeah. So yeah. it's not like the Disney story, get married and happily after ever after. Right. Yeah, it is not. It's it not. wasn't even like that for a couple of weeks. No, it, it wasn't like, like that for a couple of weeks. It was like a that. hard reality hit. All it, of a sudden. It, it was just because that's just the way life is. Right. Yeah. And, and, Life comes at you and decisions and um, pregnancy, right? Yeah. Now. You know, we, <laughs> we, we got pregnant pretty quickly and our oldest son was born. Yeah. Are um, you back in the college town now? Yeah. We're back in the college. Yeah. Back town. in the college town. So both that's where our school. son was born. Both um, going to school, both working. Yeah. Then yeah. we had a baby within a year, our first year, like our anniversary is March. He was born in April. So the following year. <laughs> yeah. That, that next. That How was that for you guys? So it was tough. Uh, I think it was a lot harder on Heidi, right? Because I was working and going to school. So my time was pretty much full. 
And that meant that Heidi had to be by herself a lot, taking care of our son, um, which was hard on her. It was tough. Luckily, by then we got a car, but he took the car. <laughs> he took the car to go to school and go to work. And so he'd leave first thing in the morning, go to school classes all day and work till midnight, one in the morning, come home, do homework. And I'm there all day, every day, every night with this newborn. Um, I didn't go back to work right away or, or any way to, you know, I had to take care of him. So it got to be those long days and little resentment and, and hard depression, you know, and things that it got hard to do that, but I, it was totally worth it. I mean, he's a beautiful boy. It was easy and it was wonderful. So everything has its good and bad, but it definitely was. was and the flip side of that, I guess, is, is when you look down the road, right? We're fairly young grandparents now. We have four grandchildren. And so we still have some pretty good energy, you know, to do stuff with them. And, and it's wonderful. So, you know, during that time, obviously you were very separated. Yeah. Right? Very again, and kind of living parallel lives at that time, right? You're yeah. doing your thing, you're doing yours and your support system was far away. At right. That point, right. Right. Which and actually was a good thing. Was, I think in the end, it was a good thing for us um, so we because really, we had to depend on each other. There wasn't anybody else there. So we had to work it out, right? We couldn't just go to mom's house. Yeah, go to mom's house if we were angry at each other or, or upset about something. Um, there was even there a point when, no my place mom, to go. when my mom said, she's like, just come home. Just bring the baby and just come home. Mm. He obviously is too busy for you. He doesn't you know, care. So he won't even notice you're gone, you know, kind of a thing. And I was, I was like, wow. Which no. I don't know if her mom was trying to use like reverse psychology or something. <laughs> I don't, I don't know. I hope that's what she was doing. Yeah. But... Because it, it worked that way. I was like, no way. Like he's working and going to school. We have this goal. Like he has a couple years left and we're going to, we're in this together and I'm not going to just, I'm not going to just leave, you know? So it definitely kind of gave me that more drive of like, I got to make this make the best out of this and make this a good situation for right. all of it and make him glad when he does come home. And it kind of started that goal for me at that moment of like, you know what, if he's only gonna be home for a little while or only going to be home for dinner or whatever, I want to make it. So he's glad he came and not like, wow, ugh, that was a mistake to come home. And <laughs> my wife's crazy. And so after that, you know, I'd, I'd get dressed and I'd shower and I'd make dinner and I'd be pleasant. And it really shifted my thinking from there on. And I, did that I, I think that's a really important thing that I think most women need to hear and men as well, is that, you know, when you have a baby, you also have a loss, right? right. Absolutely. And then especially the hormonal piece of it. And you, and you do have to go through that to become the parent and the adult because you're not the kid anymore and you're not carefree anymore. And I, I think we don't give ourselves enough uh, permission to do that. Like we feel bad because of course we love our babies, but at the same time, we've lost something and to step into that role. And, you know, the, just the process of childbirth is painful so whenever we experience pain, we also feel shame. It's just the natural mechanism in us. And then we feel bad. Why do we feel shame? We have this baby, but I just went through, you know, what I just went through. And, you know, that's really great to hear that reality of that, that even though you're in love, you're committed, you know, you, 
you want this, it's hard. It's really hard. Yeah. Very. Yeah, I agree. <laughs> Would you say that was probably the, the most challenging point in your marriage? Oh no. Oh no. It no. got so much. It no, got no. so much. <laughs> that was the first year. No. That's the first year. No, <laughs> no, no. And in, in 30 years of time, um, we've been through a lot of stuff and a couple of things, you know, we've been through a lot of stuff. Um, Heidi was just kind of listing some of those things the other day. I really was. I was just ready. Just stuff, just looking back. Right. Which, which is kind of fun because then you see how far you've come. Right. But no, we, we've had, we've had conversations about, you know, are we going to stay together? Are we not? Um, you know, we've had bouts of on both sides of us having some being selfish about things and, and that causing problems. Um, our, our 30 years of marriage has not been problem free. That's for sure. It definitely has not. Um, yeah. We don't think that any relationship is problem free. Okay, good. <laughs> right. It's really about how couples react to it. Right. You know, every couple is destined to fight and argue and have conflict you know, the ones that survive are the ones that learn how to make repair attempts yep. and how to learn from those challenging points. Absolutely. Right. right. You know, when Absolutely. we first get together, we sort of travel parallel. And when one turns, we turn. But then when we're married, it, it turns into this. Crossing you know, like other. how far yeah. out do we get before it pulls us back or breaks, yeah. right? Right. And that's a really long process, like a 20-year process. Yes. To really forge, you know, this deep bond, because then you go through the big changes of empty nesting and yep. that kind of stuff. I would right. definitely say our 20th year was our worst, was our hardest. Yeah, I totally agree with that. 20 to 25. Was Do you guys want to talk about that? Um, it was just like he said, it was a lot of selfish. Like you said, you just pull apart. You kind of start living this other life away from your spouse you're kind of into selfish things and whether it's addictions or other relationships or you know some really not good things to be involved in when you're a married couple and uh some people call it like the roommate yeah kind of stage parallel lives yeah you're, Where you're, you're just you're fine. sharing a you're house not, but you're not fighting you're not you don't hate each other you just you have dinner together and then go your there's no ways. intimacy no closeness there right real right. intimacy with each other and and that just yeah, it was rough yeah mm -hmm. just we, and um to repair that one of the things that we did was uh, that was our kids were still around living at home you know when that all went down so we would leave the house they were older but you know we could leave them alone at home but so we'd leave the house and we'd walk around our neighborhood hold hands and stuff and you know to fight <laughs> and, and that's right that's right right we would you know and we'd have these discussions about you know what are we going to do are we going to stay together is this is this the point where we split things up and we, we get tried, a divorce and we tried driving and just with the heated you know you just get a little too intense driving <laughs> and so we thought you know what we need to just walk and so we just get out of the house so we can yell and swear or whatever we needed to do without the kids having to hear it and just walk and just walk. And we just would walk. And then the next night we got to walk again. We got to walk again. And after so many weeks of walking and you're getting that rhythm and you end up like getting 
closer. It was the most yeah, amazing. Yeah, talking things out and just talk it out and just be real and raw and honest and just cry and yell and and get it out. And, and then it was like I kind of still like you. I think. <laughs> I guess, and I guess, I guess none of the neighbors heard us like yeah. arguing, right? Because. <laughs> They would say to us, oh, you guys are so cute going out for a walk every night, you know, so and jealous. the husband would say, dude, you're killing me. My wife wants to go out and walk all the time like you do. And she's so jealous and stuff. Little do they know, right? That that was the worst time. that we are discussing whether or not we're going to stay together, yeah. you know, and if they knew that they'd be like, okay, um, maybe we don't. Things are not always as they appear, right? Yes, you know, you, right. you see somebody else and you have, you're jealous of their relationship or whatever. And you know what, if they married a human being, then it's problems. not perfect. Yeah. They're right? having problems too. Mo- movies lie to us. That's one of the reasons why we started this podcast is that we've been working with couples for, you know, 20 years and behind closed doors, couples ask us is what we're going through normal. And we know that what they're going through is normal, that every couple gets into these phases in their relationship where they're very distant and they're living these parallel lives and, you know, barely even friends. They're great co-parents. They run a household wonderfully, right? But, you know, you can't judge a book by its cover because like inside, they're not connected and the intimacy suffers and, you know, that connection is, becomes much more distant. And, you know, we wanted to feature couples that look great on the outside, but they can talk about how normal this is, you know, and the fact that you, you both really pushed through it. I mean, I think that is, that's really important to highlight because most couples just say, you know, it's easier just to get divorced. Yeah, they do. I, I like the word that you use there, push, because <laughs> it, um, literally was. it's work. Mm-hmm. right? It's, it's work. You, you have to work at it. You have to be able to be willing to set your own self aside, yes. I guess, and, and really dig in and, and work. Um, I think that was the benefit for us at the time. I think it's easier when people can play victim, you know, when one of the spouses can be like, oh, they did this to me. My spouse did this to me. My spouse you know, I, we never did that. We just couldn't because we each had our own thing that we were involved in and doing outside the marriage that was hurting our spouse, but hurting us more than anything. And so it was really easy to not blame him for my choices. I did what I did because I did it, not because of anything he did. And so I think that was a big change in our relationship was owning our own choices and our owning our own things that we were involved in and working on ourselves and never blaming the spouse or trying to fix them. If he worked on himself and got to a better place, fine. If not, I was doing it anyway. We just happened to be side by side and worked on our 12 steps and worked on with our therapists and we kind of got each other through it without getting in each other's space. Right. And it was actually beautiful. Right. And helpful. Um, so one thing, I mean, there have been five, six, maybe seven times in the last 30 years that, that we needed help. Um, we, we did not do all that on our own. We, we went to uh, marriage therapy 
you know, counseling and, and got help. And um, it made a huge difference, right? That there, yeah, I would recommend it. Um, you know, do your homework and pick somebody that works with you. And if it doesn't work, then go find somebody else. We did have a couple of, of therapists over the, over the period that did not work for us. And we just, you know what, this is not working. We, we found somebody else, but for the most part, um, that was very helpful and did us a lot of good. So, you know, and I, for some reason, I think guys are more the ones that are a little bit hesitant to do that. Right. Cause they have this, huh? I, I don't know what it is, right. They have this like Guys don't want to like, talk about feelings. They don't want to talk about feelings. Okay, that's hard in of itself. But they also feel like you know I'm going to be ganged up on because mm-hmm. in in our culture it's usually the guys whatever their problem is is usually the one that that gets highlighted right, which isn't always the case. Not yeah, it's not I fair, know. but that's how it comes down. Yeah. You know, and so um, well to be fair, eighty to ninety percent of marriage therapists are are female. And so already <laughs> right off the bat, you know, men are, are kind of outnumbered. Outnumbered. Right. Yeah, I think true. we, we went to both we men picked, and women. Yeah. We picked yeah. both. Mm-hmm. I found them both to be, to be helpful. And I also found that a really good therapist is um, not, I mean, they're going to call you out on your stuff because that's what they're supposed to do. Right. But they also call out if they're really good, they're going to call out the other partner on their stuff too. Right. And so you you go there and find out, oh, okay, this isn't all my fault. I can see where it is. Right. But, um, uh, you know, it's, it, I would, if I were to give a piece of advice for guys who might be listening to this and that is don't be afraid to go to therapy, to ask for help and, you know, yeah, it is kind of hard to talk about your feelings, but a good therapist will make it so that, you know, you, you can, you can take the plunge and do that. And it's not a horrible, scary thing. Absolutely. Um, it'll help you out a lot. You'll come out and be like, Oh, okay. Um, it makes a big difference. Looking back, are you guys able to see how you got to a place where you got too much distance between you? And what was the wake up calls along the way that drove you back towards each other? Hmm. Um, you can talk about the distance. I'll tell the wake up call. <laughs> actually, I kind of like to do it the other way oh, around, okay. but, but, um, okay. do you want me to tell what the wake up call was? I don't, um, I had one, maybe you didn't have the same one. No, go ahead then. Go ahead. I remember when things got to the point that I, you know, that was considering not being in our marriage anymore. And the wake up call to me was imagining telling our teenage daughter, you know, she was uh, like six and 17 at the time. And I was thinking, okay, so this is how I'm going to tell her, you know, and then I was imagining her reaction and how mad she'd be at me, (laughs) you know, and I thought, wait a minute. And it kind of woke me up. I was like, wait, I'm kind of the one causing the problem here. Like I'm not, I'm not a victim. I'm not someone that can just get away with doing this behavior any longer. Like I need to recommit to my marriage and, and see this through. And I started imagining this daughter, you know, graduating high school and getting married and having children. And I'd be a visitor, you know, and that, that wasn't what our dream was years before when we were deciding to get married so quick, our, our dream was all the way to the end, not visit my grandkids at 
on their birthday or not have them be able to come over to our house on Sunday for dinner. And so I'm seeing, imagining this conversation with this daughter and it really, that was the big thing. It wasn't necessarily our relationship or, oh, I owe it to him, or there wasn't that connection at that point. It was more thinking outside myself and imagining my kids that snapped me out of it. Whether that's good or bad, I don't know. That's what happened in my mind. And it was that day when I went, wow, maybe I need to rethink this path. Maybe I need to recommit to my marriage and see what I can do to keep this going. I'm so grateful I did. Yeah, thanks. So um, I got... Mine almost happened by accident, actually. So I have to thank the Lord for it, right? That this is the way it happened for me. I, um, for a lot of our marriage, I was a workaholic, right? Heidi came from a family that um, didn't have a lot of money. And so she has issues or had, she's much better now, but had issues with with, um, money, meaning like, you know, as you pay bills and you see the bank account going down a little bit more and a little bit more, that would freak her completely out. Right. And so I'm Mr. Fix-It guy being like, you know what, I could fix this. I'll just go make more money. And so I worked a lot. So we worked Um, a couple of jobs. Yeah. I worked a couple of jobs. um, And then even when I had one job, I just went way more than I needed to. And I, we did get some financial rewards from that. Right. Um, But at the same time, right? I'm neglecting her, neglecting our family. You know, I was traveling a lot. Um, we say he was married to his job. I was married to my job. And, and that's one of the, the things that made it hard. Right. And so um, I was working for this company and the company wasn't performing very well. And I was a little worried about what was going to happen. And I ended up getting a new job. Now, you, you know what it's like when you start a new job, right? When you're the new guy, there's not a lot of expectation of putting extra stuff on you. Right. And so um, all of a sudden I'm the new guy and I go to work at eight and I come home to work at five and I do that for like a week. And I'm like, I kind of like this. I like this a lot. And at the same time, um, Heidi and I are going out for walks more and more and holding hands and stuff. And at one point I kind of turned to her and I'm like, have you been here this whole time? I just cried. Mm. Yeah, me too. Have you always been here? And of course she's like, finally a stupid person. You know, you're, you finally, you know, you're, you're finally noticing, right. What, what was going on. And, and it took me that to realize, wow, no amount of, of money, even though I was trying to fix something for her, like in the beginning, right? It, it was, it wasn't, it was, it was making things worse. And it was 23 years of being put. Second. Right. And so since then, um, I go to work at eight I get done at five. And if something doesn't get done, oh, well, and you know, they- every once in a while, there's something that might come up, but I'm really, really, really careful um, with my time that, that, you know, is it really an emergency? Cause if it's not, yeah, I'm, I'll let it wait. If it really is okay, then, you know, this once, then I'll do it and I'll talk to her about it and, and take That's care of what like it needs to be taken care so of. Right. But, <laughs> but, and it's really cool because like you said, we are empty nesters. We haven't had kids at home for a couple of years now. 
And so even when he's done at five, then we can turn on the music and we dance. Yeah. We dance to a song while dinner finishes cooking every day. And this is the vision I saw several years ago, you know, of just like making it through and getting to this point where it's just us now and we can do what we want and we can travel and we can have the kids over on Sunday dinner and be there when the grad kids come over and play, we're together. We can both play with them. And it's just that dream that I had 30 years ago and we're living it now. I'm very grateful. Those are some very powerful, powerful wake up calls, you know, for both of you. And right. We could really hear just how that, I mean, just the imagery itself, mm -hmm. you know, for us is very powerful. You know, it, it's, it's really important, I think, to highlight, you know, the, what the road to hell is paved with. It's good intention. Right. That's <laughs> with good intentions. That's right. And we've never met a, a couple that wasn't in love with each other on their wedding day. And just over time, what happens is that, you know, starting out with good intentions, it usually ends up with some really severe negative consequences. Right. You really have to, you really have to watch and be careful. And that's an easy guy trap, right? Because your work doesn't reject you. It rewards you and you come home and you have the resistance. And, you know, I just did this talk for women about balance. And I said, you know, when you're be between puberty and becoming a mother, you are in the phase of pick me. Mm -hmm. And then when you become a mother, it's not about me. And then when you go into becoming the queen, <laughs> it's all about me, right? And that all about me, not in the selfish way, but like, I, I need to speak my truth. I need to not tolerate things I was tolerating. And, and, and it really is a developmental discovery thing. And we've, we've been on a very similar journey mm -hmm. and, and it's that, that it's, it's growing into that next phase. That is, uh, <laughs> I call it like turning into the Hulk. Sometimes <laughs> you're like morphing, like, ah. but it, it does require that. I just have this image of you guys putting your shoes on and both being like, oh. <laughs> we're going for a Don't walk, have that conversation. <laughs> we didn't know we needed to have. Right. That's exactly. Right. And, and I also want to, yeah, sorry. I, I was I just saying, and for men, you know, Chris, yeah. I'm, just, I'm hearing, the same kind of theme. It's like men, they have to redefine what being a provider and a protector is, right? Yeah. It's not just about bringing home paycheck, but being a provider is also connecting with your spouse and investing in your family and investing in yourself personally, right? Your health and, and time management and balance. Yeah. Yes. Yep. You know, there's no company out there that won't take every minute you're willing to give. And at some point you have to realize that I'm paid X amount of dollars. And if I do more effort than that, the company is actually stealing from me and from my family. And part of being a provider is to protect against that. And it's, I'm not saying that the companies are bad or anything like that, that, you know, they'll, you know, they exist of, of people and, and that's just, the reality of life. And so you, you just have to be careful of what you're going to allow and, and to keep boundaries as, as best you can. And, and, you know, um, to really look at and prioritize what, what is the most important at this moment right now and be willing to make the tough choice. 
And I just wanted to say as well that I just, I know people listening have their own path and we did too. And if divorce is the right thing for someone else, I'm not judging that by any means. It wasn't the right path for me and for us. But people have to do what they have to do that's best for them and their family and protect themselves and their children. So I'm certainly not against divorce by any means, if that's the right path for you, but it it wasn't for us and I'm grateful. And it takes two. If only one is going to work on it, then that's not healthy either. Right. And so that that's a really important part of it. The um, uh, th- this idea of walking together and dancing together, it it does something at, at a whole nother level because it's regulating and it's rhythmic. Yep. And so it's getting you guys back in sync because bonded pair couples regulate each other's biorhythms and all that stuff. And as you have those conversations, you, your mirror neurons in your brain start to create almost what we feel is like one brain. And so you can't, you can no longer hurt your partner without hurting yourself, watching yourself hurt your partner or vice versa. You know, it's like, it's, it's, you know, such a, it's a sensitivity thing. And we live in a culture that really wants us to be desensitized. And when you go out and walk in nature, you're like, the car was too intense. We're moving too fast. We can't have, we can't stop and look at each other, you know, and, and we don't have enough of that natural environment around us that help us create this environment. You guys did a fabulous job with that. That's it's tough. It's really time. Mm -hmm. (laughs) It was hard. Yeah, but it was worth it. (laughs) And I I think Heidi, something you said earlier was really key. And that was that you each had to take responsibility for what you brought into this and you couldn't blame your partner, right? Because that's the easy way out. It's just, you know, it's all their fault. And if they would change, then I would be happy. But turning that finger and pointing it towards yourself, that's, that's the difficult part and taking responsibility for what you have power and control over changing. And that's really where couples start to shift things. Totally agree. Yeah. And you asked, you know, how we knew that we were apart, you know, how we knew that we'd kind of grown apart. And that it was exactly that. It was kind of that selfish point where you're just kind of taking care of you and he was gone and he was taking care of him and I was taking care of me. And so it was, there was no connection there. And that's when it's easy to just blame the other person and just be like, well, I'm out. Cause you don't, right. you don't notice me anymore. So I'm gone. I've got this other person who's giving me attention. So I'm going to go do that now. It would have been really easy to do that, mm-hmm. but hard at the same time. It was a different kind of hard that would have been the consequence of that. And I wasn't willing to do that. So. Right. Do you feel that for so long, maybe most of your lives or a lot of your relationship that there was sort of always this kind of nagging pain that once you work through it is replaced with peace and like a profound connection that you just feel so much safer in the world and that trust is there. And it's very hard earned, right? Cause we get wounded through relationship long before we even meet our partner, right? right. And all that comes up for healing. You guys know that feeling I'm talking about? Absolutely. Right, right. And I I would say that um, when you marry a human being, they're going to make mistakes. They're going to do something stupid. They just are because 
That's just what, that's what it means to be human. Right. Mm -hmm. And so you can't ever expect perfection, but at the same time, you also have to be willing to offer each other grace and excuse me, once you figure out how to do that, I think that's where that feeling comes, right? That you're talking about. That's where the trust starts to get built and where you start to um, um, feel the peace, right? Is, is you're, you're giving peace to that person knowing that when you mess up, they're going to do the same to you and give, and give you that grace and offer it freely to each other. I'm sure there are some situations where, you know, you can't necessarily do that carte blanche, but for the most part, you know, as fallible human beings, we're going to mess up and we need to be able to offer that um, to each other without any strings attached. But here's the thing is that even when you do that, it's, something's going to happen again, right? They're going to do something dumb. We just do as human beings. We don't mean to, it's, it's just what we do. And so it's, it's a, you have to be willing to do that again and again and again over time um, to offer that to each other. And and yeah, a lot of times people want to know what they can get, not what they can give. Mm -hmm. And it really is the offering, the giving that we have full control over. Right. That's and no well control over the getting. It's yeah. all we have full control yeah. over. Yeah. You know, if we were to go full circle here a little bit, um, when we worked at Wendy's in college, when we were first married, um, I'm getting a little choked up about this, but we we worked for this for the for the owner of the franchise, right? And as the owner of the franchise, you know, I, he was probably in what, 40s or something yeah, then, then maybe. Was, yeah. um, and we we're so far away from home that he sort of became like a dad figure to us, you know? So he was there when we met, when we got married. We had our kids. Had our first couple of children, right? <laughs> and we, we worked there until we were finished with school. And when we moved away, Sometimes we would drive back through that little town in Southern Utah and you, you can't not stop there. Right. And so we'd stop and visit him and he see was him always and there. yeah, he was always there. And our son um, actually grew up and went to that same little school and worked at that same little Wendy's for a while for that same owner. Right. Crazy. And we would send Christmas cards and stuff like that. And just this last Christmas this year. <laughs> we got a beautiful Christmas card from the owner of that Wendy's. He's in his late seventies. Yeah. He no longer owns that franchise anymore, but we got the sweetest letter from him about Just, about how proud he was of us and he doesn't know anything oh uh, you really anything of what you know has gone on i mean he's 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 a pretty wise person so i'm sure he knows that life's not been perfect but you know just to read that letter 
of him just saying how proud he was of us. Yeah, about about what a joy it was for him to see us to watch us grow up, become parents and grandparents, and you know, and this is somebody who's not related to us, right? He doesn't have to say this, <laughs> right? He's not my mom or my dad or her mom or her dad and stuff. Um, you know, it was it was, a, it was pretty special for us to to have a, a little second of reflection of. You know, yeah, we we yeah. have done this. We have we have done this together, and and it's been hard, but but obviously, you know, people I'm see sure, it. I'm sure you never earned a paycheck that brought you to tears. Yeah, no, because no, it's that's really true. our relationships no, that's true. that really right, matter. Absolutely, absolutely. Right. It's the relationships that matter. That's all. That so, we last have. question: okay. What is it that your partner does that you know they love you? Hmm um so I, I guess there's a couple of things um what Heidi does for me that lets me know that she loves me is is um I get to work from my house now as a lot of people do so I don't have to drive to an office uh, at least for now and and that's great and she'll come in um while I'm working and and just give me a kiss and just say I love you right for no reason just in the middle of the day just come in and 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 do that um or um, something similar, you know, just random out of the blue, send me a text that if we're not together near each other, that, that, that lets me know she loves me. Thinking about him. Yep. He always has my hand. He has holding my hand right now. He just always has to hold my hand or have his hand on my leg all the time. It's so cute. No, we're, no matter what we're doing, he always has to be touching me. It's so sweet. So I love that. Um, I know it's a good day when he's got his hand in my hand. Right. And that he's in a good place and that he feels loved. So that's all that matters to me. Chris and Heidi, you guys have a wonderful story. We want to thank you so much for being on our podcast today. Thank you. Thanks for having us. And yeah. Heidi has a podcast as well. Heidi, do you want to promote that, that yeah. podcast? Well, and that's how I was fortunate to meet you guys. It's yeah. called Heidi's Lemonade Stand. And I um, talk to people who have taken a challenge and made their life or the world better because of something hard that they went through. And so it was a, my pleasure to interview you and find out your story as well and why you're doing what you're doing and how you're helping thousands of people and couples fall in love again and, and encourage them in their marriages. And so I appreciate you guys and what you're doing. And I highly recommend people talk to you or get a life coach or get a therapist, whatever they need, listen to your podcast. It's so uplifting and encouraging for whatever they might be going through in their marriages as well. So thank you. Thank you. Thank you very much. You know, people have been sharing stories since the beginning of time to bond and heal and grow. And we hope that by you guys sharing your story, it's enriched your lives and the lives of our listeners. Thanks. We want to wholeheartedly thank you for joining us today and for listening to Couples Synergy. Our passion is in helping couples and people have happy and healthy relationships. And this podcast gives us a fun way of bringing our knowledge and expertise to you, our listeners. For all of you listening, please subscribe to our podcast and please leave us a review. If you have any questions, comments, or topic suggestions, please email us at contact at couplesynergy.com. For more information about Couple Synergy and our programs such as the Home Study Course, Relationship 101, the Couples Weekend Intensive, and our premier coaching program called Couple to Couple, look us up online at couplessynergy.com. And if you know someone who could benefit from this episode, please download it and share it. And thank you for listening.
Until next time, synergize your life and synergize your love. You have been listening to Couple Synergy with Dr. Ray and Jean Ketkodian. Couple Synergy was recorded, edited, and produced by Dr. Ray and Jean Ketkodian. Voiceover and music entitled Breathe and Let Go was recorded and composed by Gina Gonzalez.